What a week in games. What a week in games. Unbelievable. I mean, actually, I think the last couple of weeks. Well, when was GTA 5 out? Last? Was no, it last? it's been a few weeks now. Anyway. There's, there's was some... that even October? I'm not too sure. Yeah, there's some stellar releases uh, about. Anyway, we're going to talk about those and more in this uh, coming episode of Tom and Matt Attack. Ooh. haven't played uh, Grand Theft Auto 5. I did get a very, very nice offer of someone I know, a mutual friend, said, hey, I'll give you my copy. I have two PS3 copies for yes, one of them for 400 kroner. And I was like, well, in Denmark, that's a steal. And then I looked online and I was like, ah, that's even good by online standards. Mm. I still haven't taken him up on it. I probably will, but I'm still being strong, Tom. I'm on this gaming buying hiatus and I haven't bought anything yet. And it's great because what you're doing is you're playing these games you've had in your shelf in cellophane. I have. I've unwrapped <laughs> two games today. It's been fun. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit of what you've been playing this week. A little bit about what I've been playing. Um, actually, probably should introduce ourselves to people who haven't listened to the podcast before. You I'm never Matt. Do that. I know, but <laughs> Stanley Principal Tom. Every oh, podcast is everyone's I'm, first I'm podcast. I'm totally on a roll. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, do that again. Hello, I'm Matt. <laughs> and I'm Tom. Yeah, and this is a podcast about games. We, we <laughs> there live, we go. We didn't need to do it. We live, in, <laughs> we live in Denmark. I've got a cold. I don't usually sound like this. So enjoy that next episode. And you're like, who the fuck's that? Um, it's actually me. <laughs> Yeah, that, I, that Welsh lilt is unmistakable. The, the Welsh word. lilt, even through the thick of a cold, the fog of a, a blocked nose, you can still understand the Welshman within. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I've I've seen this new update for the Wii U that came this week after Nintendo's Nintendo Direct saying, "Hey, you can finally play Wii games on your Wii U gamepad." And this has sounded like an amazing idea. I was like, fuck yeah, I've been waiting for this. Now I can play all these games I've got for the Wii U. That... A surprise. Yeah, exactly. I mean, definitely. It seems like something that maybe should have been there since launch. And I was like, oh, great. This I is cool. I expected it to never happen. Yeah. And I installed it, and then I didn't really play anything on it. And I was on Twitter, and then everyone was like, oh my god, we can finally do this. And I was like, yeah, great, cool, let's play some games. And then I heard that you needed to use a Wiimote with your gamepad. Mm. And it just seemed a bit counterintuitive to me. Um, and I, I talked to one of our followers, Grana Banana, who's been... Who? Grana Banana. Oh. Um, who's been playing... Sorry, um, I, <laughs> I know exactly who you mean now. Yes, exactly. Tom's a big follower of our Twitter. It's not just me running it, honest. Um, and he was playing um, Xenoblade Chronicles, and I was just like, well, isn't it a bit counterintuitive that you have to use a gamepad pro when you can just use the buttons on the Wii U gamepad? Yeah, mystifying, really. But uh, you brought up a good point earlier that it doesn't have the... Z, Z buttons. But the extra Z buttons. Yeah, but... Uh, what are they called? It's just Z1, Z2, I think. Yeah. But for all intensive purposes, like, I didn't really need them playing that. I think the only thing you'd really need them for is COD, right? Yeah, because they're not on the actual... Are they on the Wii remote? No, of course they're not. Where would they be? Now you've got two. Now they are, because you've got two on your nunchuck, haven't you? Yep, and then you've got the B button on the back, the A button. Ah, There's lots of buttons, isn't there? Come to think of it. Theoretically, yeah. But I ask you, what is better for me to be a button less for most games that don't actually That's need it or me waggling the, the Wii more to my screen? And in all fairness, it did work pretty well. I didn't even know you had a sensor bar built into the Neither uh, did the I. It's also got, a, I remember from the E3 announcement of it a few years ago, it's got um, 
you know, with uh, Skylanders and all this kind of stuff, it's got like a reader oh, to sure, be able to remember. read Hearing those that, toys. Actually. Not that anyone's ever used it. I think Skylanders and Disney Infinity have still come mm. with a portal for the Wii U. Yeah. I apologize for calling the gamepad a, a Wii remote screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's confusing now. I noticed I was in the shop the other day and they're selling uh, Wii remotes branded as Wii U remotes now. They are. With an extra sticker saying we'll work on Wii. Yeah, and they're still like 45 quid. Oh, or, okay. Uh, in Denmark. In Denmark, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, did you see those um, the new Wiimotes they said they're going to release on the Nintendo Direct for Super Mario. Oh, yeah, the Luigi and Mario ones. Yeah, they look No, it's I said Luigi first. It's the year of Luigi. It is the year of Luigi, yeah, <laughs> as we've been constantly <laughs> reminded. Um, yeah, they look pretty nice, I thought. Yeah, that's nice. Um, if I needed another Wii remote, I'd probably get one, but I really, yeah, uh, I've got four. So. It's got Wii Motion Plus in it. I might pick one up. I've got four Just Motion co- Pluses. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. Yeah, we'll talk about Nintendo Direct in a bit. Yeah, anyway, we'll you, talk about that later. You've in the been new playing session. some games on this fantastic new uh, setup of. But it did mystify me why, when the TV was available, you were still using the screen. Is it purely just to, to test out? Or do you quite like playing on a smaller screen? I like playing on the smaller screen. And I mean, long-term listeners to the podcast will remember me kind of just going out of my way to see my Wii U was my system of choice. And I loved playing Earthbound on it because you can just curl up on the couch and play it. Today I have been kind of ill, so playing things on a couch on a very small screen in front of my lap was causing me to fall asleep a little bit because I was in a very comfy place. But uh, yeah, it's nice. Um, To be honest, I preferred playing... um, I played two games on it because I wanted to test out whether the Wiimote was a viable option to play on the small screen Mm. or if I needed to just play games that use the, the Wii Pad Pro. Is that what it's called? Classic controller. Classic controller. Yeah, it's the it's Wii U Pad Pro, right? And then it's just a classic controller for the original Wii. So there's Classic Controller Pro. You were play- using the original Classic Controller. I was. I was not using the Classic Controller Pro. Which Pro with the prongs. Pro, um, which would have come with Xenoblade Chronicles, right? Yeah, I the, do have one. Do you? Yeah. Well, the one with the actual like yeah. joysticks. That kind of yeah, looks it's a bit like mine's a black GameCube. one, though, not the red one. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I played... Um, a game that I shall now do a long dead feature on the podcast for first, other than Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh, you had this. I wrote up a link to the past, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Well, starting <gasps> with what we've played, it's totally thrown off the whole the dynamic. But I haven't bought anything, so I had to kind of tweak it anyway. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I started doing a thing um, based on a. And then didn't do it for. Yeah, I didn't do it for a couple of weeks. Purely because, well, I bought things, but then, yeah, I just didn't have time to write it. I'm. Go- we're getting better. Like I said on our Twitter, we're gonna we're gonna you're be doing better, other stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're not very well. I'm not very <laughs> well. I'm sick in the head. Uh, but it's a kind of like a tedious link. It used to be on Radio One. I'm not gonna go through it again. I discussed it every time I brought it up. But it's a feature on the show. Hopefully, I'll do it next week as well. I used to do it about buying stuff, but because I'm only playing things at the moment, I've kind of changed a link the to format. The past around around. You're gonna yeah. make a link from a Zelda game to what you've been playing this week. I am indeed. Right. A Link to the Past. A Link to the Past sequel, A Link Between Worlds, is due to be released in November of this year. November will also see the release of the next generation of the two most powerful consoles, the Xbox One on the 22nd and the PS4 on the 29th of November. The 22nd also sees the release of the quirky PS Vita game, Tearaway. Tearaway was developed by Media Molecule, the fine folks behind Little Big Planet, a game narrated by British actor Stephen Fry. Fry also voiced the character of Reva in Fable 2 and 3, respectively. Fable was an action-adventure series developed by Lionhead Studios, who also made Black and White series. Black and White are the colours that distinguish the launches of the Wii U, where the white basic model had 4GB of hard drive space, while the black had 32GB. 32 is the number that Chrono Trigger came in the Guinness Book of World Records list of top 50 most influential games. Of the three RPGs on the list, Chrono was the only one that isn't part of Square Enix's popular Final Fantasy series, with 12 coming the highest at 8th. The next major RPG Square Enix would release after Final Fantasy XII was Valkyrie Profile 2. The Valkyrie Profile series is created by Triace, who are also responsible for Star Ocean. One of Triace's founding employees was sound programmer 
Hiro- Hiroya Hitabushi, I haven't practiced this, who in 1999 left the company to form Tricrescendo, a studio that would create a variety of JRPGs, including Batten Kaidos, Eternal Sonata, and Fragile Dreams, Farewell Ruins of the Moon for the Nintendo Wii, which I played on a screen today. Wow, well done, I have to say. That was pretty impressive. Thank you. And for any of you uh, listeners who English isn't your native language, we apologise <laughs> didn't get all that. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of said it rather fast. I have a blocked nose. We'll yeah, deal no, with all it. All things considering, that was very good, Matt. Thank you. Um, I did it in one take as well, folks. I'll let you in on a little secret. Usually I cock it up a few times and we edit it, but it's all right. It's okay. And uh, lo and behold, what has Matt been playing this week but another RPG? Well, technically, it's a survival horror with RPG elements. I'm gonna gonna throw that one out there. Okay. Um, yeah, it's pretty much you're a you're the essentially the lone survivor of humanity in this world, and it's never really said what's happened and why the, you're the only one left. The and game whatnot. in question is Fragile Dreams. Hmm. Um, something something of the moon. I can't remember, but that t- subtitle just seems completely pointless because it's blatantly set on Earth for the moment. Maybe they'll throw a curveball at me and I will actually be on the moon, but then I'll be like, well, why? if it was a spoiler, why'd you put it in the title of the game? Who knows? Or maybe actually, now I'm thinking about it, maybe it's the fact that the moon's destroyed or something. Maybe that'll be revealed later. Maybe that's why oh, everything's so fucked destroyed. up. Always getting destroyed. Like Vash the Stampede. Everyone's blowing fucking holes in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I used the, the Wiimote because I knew it was a lot of motion control needed and pointing those of you who know me will know i'm not really the biggest fan of motion controls but for this it seemed right uh you were using the nunchuck to move your character around and then essentially you have a weapon but your your key bit of kit in this entire game is your flashlight mm-hmm. and fortunately it doesn't run on battery or whatever it seems to be an infinite flashlight because you need it to spot enemies because there are kind of like ghosts which are imprints of humanity that have been left behind by people who are unrest, kind of like the traditional idea of ghosts, you know, that mm. they're people with unfinished business. Yes. Unfinished business a term that was in the film Casper. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I think I'll watch again this Halloween. Really? You're yeah. gonna put Casper on? Is that how scary you're gonna go this Halloween? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um but so you're waving this flashlight around and when you wave a flashlight around, enemies will appear and it could be like a seemingly normal room, and you have to wave the flashlight around. You get it. The it's one of the best uses of the the Wiimote's built-in sound speaker, which is nice. Um, it alerts you to their presence by like making a sound, and then but it'll slightly lots vibrate. Of games like that on the Wii. <laughs> you Almost as if I don't play games on the Wii. Sorry, I, um, I interrupted. You uh you're walking around and then you like might get a little vibration of the controller and you go oh crap there's something around you so you've got to be extra careful and you wave your flashlight around the area and then there'll be like a ghost dog and you'll be like ah oh, shit and you need to fight them off and that's where the RPG mechanic kind of comes in that you you've got equipable weapons and stuff and then you also level up but your items are they have like in Dead Rising for example. There's a certain level of hits you can do with them before they break, oh, and it. I've heard that later on in the game, weapons become quite scarce, and it's very, very annoying because they'll you'll lose your item, it'll break, and then you'll be left trying to fend off enemies of a very high level with a weapon that's doing like nine damage because it's broken. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, that doesn't seem to be a problem, and I think. To be honest, I've met more niggly RPGs in terms of action RPGs to be able to kind of get past that. It's all about your item management, Tom. All about it. Um, but it seems very good so far. Um, I'm glad you weren't disappointed by it. No, I wasn't. And like I said, I've heard a few people review this game and say, yeah, it's amazing for the first like seven hours and then it becomes really tedious and repetitive and the system I doesn't work. I wouldn't have played it that long anyway. This is true. Uh, but... It's a very good game, uh, kind of an intriguing story, even though some of the voice acting's a little bit terrible. Though it does, the main character and the way he delivers his lines and the kind of things he says kind of reminds me of Shinji from Evangelion. Yeah, which will put about. a few people off, I'm sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> but honestly, if you can pick it up for cheap, I do recommend it. It's published by the good folks at Rising Star, who have given us some of the, the best JRPGs and quirky games of the last couple of years. 
So I think it's worth tracking down. Um, and then, of course, I played a game that needs no introduction if you like Japanese role-playing games. Even if you don't, it was still one of the premier releases of the Wii, I'd argue. Um, and that is um, Monolith Soft's uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. Very, very solid game. Um, the combat, to be honest with you, kind of reminds me a bit of Final Fantasy XI, which is the online version of mm. Final Fantasy, in that it's all done in real time. I guess Final Fantasy XII as well. I've not actually played it. I'll go out on a limb and say that I haven't played Final Fantasy XII. It's in my pile of games to play. I'd kind of moved on to the 360 by then and then didn't really... It didn't immediately grab me. I've played the, the beginning of the game. Yeah. I can't say it, it drew me in, but perhaps I didn't give it the time, which is something I'm guilty of a lot with video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like... What do you think of the combat system from what you've played? I mean, I know you're I not remember a lover all these of RPGs. little arrows shooting out of people's heads pointing to other people. Yeah. And it all looked a little bit confusing. Uh, to be honest, like, <laughs> the way the game kind of throws you in at the start is you play the part of a... Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. But essentially you play like a minor character at the start, at least, who is in a big battle to kind of save humanity... And he's the wielder of this legendary sword, and he's a bit of a roider, essentially, with this sword. Like, he's killing all, like, this entire army of these robot things, and it throws you in at the thick of battle. So, it's kind of an expectation of what's going to come later, and you're already, like, level 30 or whatever. And the combat system is pretty intuitive. It keeps taking me a while to get used to, um, because you have to use the L and R triggers to engage in combat and that's how you target people mm. and then you click A and cycle through your attack menu and stuff. But I keep wanting to run up to monsters and clicking A to attack just because I know that's the button I'm going to be clicking to attack. But then I'm just like, oh no, shit, I should be targeting them first and then yeah. doing that. But it seems pretty good engaging story. Like I was saying to Tom though, I can't really come to grips with the idea that the voice cast is English kind of completely throws me for a loop, you know? Like, when I was playing uh, The Last Story as well. And I will admit, I think the voice acting in Xenoblade Chronicles is a little bit better than that of Last I Story. maybe but some of the dialogue in, in Last Story is a bit more mundane than than what, I, what I've heard. I mean, I played a little bit of Xenoblade Chronicles myself, and it yeah. seems to have a little bit more character. It does. Um, it uses uh, British slang and stuff as well. Yeah. I can't remember the example I gave you earlier. Oh, um, it's one of the characters that goes, Oh, Shulk, you crap me up! <laughs> I was just like, ha <laughs> But it's not like playing Fable, you said. No, it's not like playing Fable. That's the immediate comparison that I, I made. Yeah, there's no, like, from what I've played so far anyway, there's no heavy regional accents. It isn't like, yeah, this is a British game. I think it's more along the grounds of, well... Exceed published this in Britain first. Let's give it a British voice cast kind of thing because we never know if it's going to be going to the mm. States. You, you said the voice acting is better though in, in Xenoblade. Definitely, yeah. And there are. Well, Stephen Fry aside. Yeah, Stephen and Fry aside from John Fable. Cleese in the Fable. Fable. I think so, yeah. yeah. But like, I, I'm, I'm talking about the world at large when you talk to like uh, characters and stuff, they seem to be. Okay, and you're not walking around going, oh, look at that, chicken chaser! Uh, you're just kind of getting on with it, and everyone... I guess it's because they probably assumed that people were going to try and import it, and that they would they would eventually release it in America, so the, accent, the accents of the English cast are very um, received pronunciation, they're very newspeakery, oh, in sure. the fact okay. they're very easy to understand. And I think that's probably why... There's not more like regional interjection in their voice acting. I'm sure the uh, American audience probably find it as odd as you find it as well. Yeah, maybe. I mean, especially <laughs> with such a long history of JRPGs being voiced by American voice actors. Wait, that's just because we're used to it. Yeah, I guess it? so. But like, and when you hear something different like that, it, it takes you back a little bit. But I mean, I can't remember if there's voice acting in Quidelka, but that game's set in Wales, and there's certainly no Welsh <laughs> voice acting in it. You know. No, uh, well, that sounds like two uh, two hits. Yeah, uh, very much so. And I'm to be honest, I'm very impressed by playing games on the gamepad. Like I, I didn't think I would have 
gone for it. I did post a picture on our Twitter earlier for those of you interested. And I've got a great picture of Matt playing. Yeah, I, I used a lot of VHS tapes because Tom has invested in a VHS player. Don't ask why. And I've propped the controller up against it and then needed a mug of tea to kind of balance the controller on the corner so I could play properly. I can tell you why I invested in a VCR. Do you really want to go down this route? No. <laughs> it's a mystery um but yeah uh, good oh god yeah that picture may go online yeah. but like i said i'm very very fluey at the moment so i kind of look like death in it that's great thanks tom thank well, you for documenting this it moment it could be worse it could um but that's not the only thing you've been playing today is it no, no um you started to be honest, off the day playing a game that i purchased on thursday Yes, I did. Um, Rain for Rain. the PlayStation 3. A game we've both played so we can both talk about Yay! Yes. I've naturally, as is always the case with these things, played a little bit more than Tom. But You have. Yeah, but that was because I kind of, I knew, I'd seen you play it. And it was a very engaging game to watch. Like, it was very nice to sit down and it's so chilled out. It's like, it's supposed to be inspired by French silent movies, hence the score and yeah, the, the, a lot of words throughout it, the... It intrigued me because it's a very unique-looking title with 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 some artistic integrity as well, and I, I love the uh, the concept of the game. Anything that's fresh and new, yeah. like like rain is, it really does interest me. And uh, in fact, this actually has a lot in common with survival horror games, isn't it? it? With the definitely camera does, yeah. It reminded me an awful, awful lot, and while not as scary and you don't really feel as imminent a threat as you would in something like the games I'm going to compare it to. But it definitely feels a lot like Resident Evil 2 to me. In just the, the town reminds me a lot of Raccoon City. I don't know why, because obviously Raccoon City is more in a modern setting than this, but just the way it is kind of reminds me also of the start of Resident Evil 3. And there's definitely a nemesis-like character in it. Yeah. We should explain a little bit about, yeah. about the story. Uh, that it's about this boy uh, who uh, sees this girl being chased by a creature and he follows the, them into this other world. In this other world, um, the boy is invisible, uh, yes. as is the girl. And uh, as are... Well, the creatures aren't, are they? They're more ghostly apparitions. Well, they're only visible in rain, though. But that's true, yeah, again. Yeah. In, as of all the characters, they're only visible in the rain. Hence the title, Rain. Uh, and despite it all being very grey, it's a beautiful game to to look at. Basic gameplay involves you kind of sneaking, sneaking around chasing the girl. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, you, you, you're trying to help this girl. You, that, that's why you've gone into this other world. Uh, but these creatures are out there, and it's, it's stealthy, really, because... To, uh, you've got to keep out of the uh, sight of these creatures. So you have because it's um, it's a very pressing threat that if they see you, it's essentially one hit kill. Ah, yeah, it is. Uh, luckily, the game lets you restart areas. It's got very nice, uh, generous checkpoint system. It does, yeah. Um, it's also got a hint system that yeah, kept with flashing up. For even both before of us. You, first time you retry something, it asks you if you want a hint. That's slightly irritating, but it does it in a very subtle way. But flashing up on the screen there in the corner. Uh, but you can avoid these creatures by uh, basically stepping out of the rain so they can't see you at all because they only see you where the rain has fallen onto you, creating your like silhouette. Uh, so that, that's nice. And it does mix it up a little bit as you progress through the game and that they add new gameplay elements as it continues. They definitely do. I don't want to say too much because I've played a bit further yeah, than Tom. I could already see that was the way it was going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I just don't... Because it becomes like another game I very much enjoy, but I'll maybe talk about that next time you're on the podcast because okay. I assume you'll play it a bit when you're I'd like home. to. I think I'll probably try and play it back when I'm in the UK. This is uh, what I was thinking, yeah. Uh, I know you usually like to play your PS3 when you're back home, so... <laughs> I play games that you've played when I'm back home. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but it's good, because it means I can complete it without feeling guilty about it. <laughs> it means okay. I can complete it without you seeing the end or anything. But uh, Rain has got a beautiful atmosphere. I really like the introduction as well. There's uh, a few, like, uh, it's a cutscene, like still images, but they're like uh, watercolour. Uh, they're, they're really pretty. 
It doesn't seem to be available anywhere online either, so I think that's probably going to be the first thing I try and capture to upload. Oh, the the introduction. Yeah, I couldn't find pictures of it. I was trying to really find a, a good friend really... of ours, Paul. I was trying to show him because yeah. he he honestly he saw it and he said like, oh well, yeah, like I'd seen it, like uh, still a bit, and I was kind of intrigued. But he said I didn't click on it, and I think that I think that may be a bit of a problem for it. You know, it's such yeah. a a vague title. I think those who are into games who are looking for something a bit different will seek out Rain. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, but the but for those who are unsure about it, I can recommend if you could try it out. I mean, if you like survival horror, <laughs> it's kind of good because it contains a lot of similar gameplay elements. To be honest, I think if you just like adventure adventure games yeah. uh, or something a little bit different, something with a little bit of ambience, mm. I I th- honestly highly recommend it. Beautiful soundtrack. Uh, Definitely, it, it's it works so well with the game as well. It's very well constructed in that respect, and it's the perfect like. Even though it is a survival horror, and there is this kind of there are stakes in the game where, like I said, you can get killed by one hit or whatever. It's very relaxing to play. Like I, yeah, so all I wanted to do yesterday is because I've been banged down with the flu, is yeah. just kind of just sit there and play this game because it looked so nice and the music is so soothing. A game to play while you've got the flu. Definitely. And a, a, a game, a beautiful game to watch, uh, not unlike um, Beyond Two Souls. Yes, and I will go out of my way, out of every game I played today, when I was playing Xenoblade, when I was starting to nod off, I thought to myself, I'm going to play a bit more Beyond Two Souls. And then I realised, ah, crap, it's only a demo. I haven't actually got it yet. Shit. Yeah. But it's been an awful long time since I've been that engaged by a game where I've been playing a game I'm really enjoying going, actually, I might put this away for a second. I really want to play this. Yeah. And I, as I've said, I really like Xenoblade Chronicles. I really like JRPGs. So from what I played of the demo of Beyond Two Souls earlier, it actually left an impression. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, though, first of all, as a game... Some of the mechanics I experienced aren't the best mechanics of any game I've played, to be honest. Like, there's a sequence where you're riding a motorbike and I've had better control in PS2 games. I think some of the controls so far have felt a bit sloppy. But as a game by... Ah, I've forgotten the Quantic name. Quantic Dream? Quantic Dream, thank you very much. Um, Behind Fahrenheit and Heavy Rain. It's got that very gripping... It's incredibly engaging. I, game I, cinema thing going on. I think on. maybe the most engaging of anything they've done so far. Definitely, and yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Heavy Rain. I really enjoyed that game. I'm a big fan of game. Fahrenheit. Uh, not, I've not played Heavy Rain I've much, not played Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But really, now they've reached a point... Where I think, I think they're having real act, real, well, famous actors. Sorry, yeah. I would say real actors because loads of obviously actors in Heavy Rain and Fahrenheit. But how, that does, it's interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting. I mean, like after the, if you download the demo, I think you can just watch the trailer anyway. But we watched it as after playing the demo, and it just seems like fantastic performances from William Defoe and uh, Ellen Page. Because you know these performances. I think that's probably why it's quite gripping, is because you can you can see it. It looks like them performing yeah, yeah. as in as in the live action film. And it's fascinating how spot on it is. I know it's motion captured and everything, but the, the visual clarity of everything is very well realized. Um, it's very interesting though, because I mean obviously like games have tried for so very, very long now to try and capture the experience of a film's narrative, of trying to, you know, have the same kind of narrative curve as a film. And obviously there are a lot of games like Spelunky and stuff that don't have a strong story per se, but they're trying to create a story through gameplay mechanics, in the case of Spelunky, by every time you go into this maze, it's completely different and you experience different things. And Skyrim has many scripted elements mm. and games have a, a lot completely of elements yeah nowadays. i know but like skyrim is a good example of something that is a it's less a game about story more a game about experiences of you going into mm. this world and then seeing things and then 
nine times out of ten, the other people who've played the game, unless they've played it a hundred percent, will have missed out on these experiences. It's all about you kind of having your own story and your own narrative, and that's what the Bethesda games are very good at. Whereas this is obviously if played Fahrenheit and Heavy Rain, there are ways the story can turn and there are things that you will do that will influence your ending. Yeah. So you never feel like you're just on the, the same path of everyone else where you're playing because it will be decisions that you make will, that will affect the gameplay. Yeah, but it is like even then, even when you take these things into account and the fact is it's still a linear narrative anyways, even though it's got ways it can turn... It's very hard and you can to experience tell it a few times from the demo. But I, how I'm free speaking my be. I'm yeah. speaking from my experience of Heavy Rain. Yeah, I, I, I wonder where this would be more on rails, so to speak, than Heavy Rain. I Possibly. Don't know. Uh, I hope it would, but the demo is very much centered around the action sequences. It is very not much so, so much the areas I imagine where you get more free choice and. You explore more and you don't walk puzzles. around the mall and go, Jason, <laughs> Jason. Uh, uh, but what what was really fascinating for me about this was how quick time events have evolved from somewhere like uh, Shenmue to now. Yeah, you know, it's very much about button presses before, which made you feel like you were still playing a video game, and now it's moved to more movements. It has uh, movements of either the analog sticks or the uh, actual physical movement of the PlayStation 6-axis controller. Yeah, there were a lot of times, and... I know that was in Heavy Rain as well, though. Yeah, yeah, but, like, it, in Heavy Rain, it felt a bit more forced than here, in my yeah. opinion. Like, it was just like, oh, shit, I've got to jump. And, you know, you... You're that engaged in the game that you just kind of you're gladly like waving the controller. There's a dog on you, and you're like ah, and you're trying to shake it off. And so they they're trying to make you feel one with what's going on on the screen through gestures which feel natural. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I go out on a limb and I say like I I'm not a fan of motion controlling and any anything that uses the six axis really that I can remember. Anyways, has always felt a bit gimmicky to me. I remember using it in Metal Gear Solid Four. Mm. And it, I can't remember what for. It was a very, very long time ago since I played that game. And I remember that be feeling intuitive. And that was mm. the only thing I'd experienced that did. Um, this this does that, you know. It's so... Again, I think it's because it's real actors. I think it's because you know these people. And they are before... Like, the performance of Alan Page in the scenes I've seen has been her... Well, they're really not just going through the motions, are they? These, no, they're not. actors, they're... Really going for it, like this, taking it seriously as they would um, a motion picture. Definitely, and that shows. Yeah, and that's going to elevate it in, in quality, I think, above yeah. your normal kind of um, cinematic video game experience. Yeah. As you said as well, also probably the best looking game, I think, on Perhaps. the system. We, we were discussing this, weren't we, how they've managed to make it look so good. And I was saying to you, Matt, wasn't I, about... Perhaps it's the way the game's built that it's not m rendering massive areas at a time. It's probably... I don't know how they're doing it. It's but probably it a matter of, you know, obviously... When, <laughs> when you have games like Mass Effect and they've got all of this dynamic environment and everything and they just... They, yeah, sure, you can interact with every little thing. It's just like every single texture's got to be made smaller and like they've got to compress everything and bitmap scaling and all this kind of stuff i think that even though this game will branch off into different areas and obviously maybe you'll see different scenes depending on different actions and stuff i think as you say i think there's really you're almost kind of boxed in to what you can do mm. there's no experience of gta where you're just like haha i'm gonna jump in a plane now and fly over here you are yeah. regardless of things because i thought when i was playing it i got captured by the police at one point in the demo and i thought that was because i ballsed up yeah and now i'm thinking like oh that would have happened anyway because like yeah. the scenes that came after it couldn't have happened unless yeah. i was captured by the police you know and i i don't think there's any other way that demo can go yeah so, yeah, I'd be very, very curious to see how the game can branch into different narratives. But uh, but on a purely visual note, it did look great. And uh, one thing I noticed from the off was the, the anti-analyzing on the game. Like, the, the edges 
on games, even the best games, like I mentioned, The Last of Us, you can see those jaggedy... Another game starring Alan Page's likeness, <laughs> quote-unquote. Uh, and those jaggedy edges weren't so apparent in Heavy Raid. And this, for me, has been the major falling point, stumbling point for video games of this generation. Yeah. You can't dis- suspend disbelief, you know, when you can see that, because that just reminds you it's a game. Yeah, yeah. When everything's kind of smoothed out... It, it becomes uh, less like a game. But like I said to I mean, you, this is kind of like, it reminds me a lot of the the CDI kind of like interactive video game, you know, like a Mad Dog or whatever, because you, <laughs> it, like I, you know, it's that same principle, isn't it? It's the same like that this is as much live action in the long term as... You know, as Mad Dog is, like, Mad Dog's filmed, but this is technically filmed because it's motion capture. Mm. And this is just kind of the progression of that kind of game, Slightly I guess. better writing than Mad Dog. A little bit. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But I like games which are able to have that human thing that draws you in, and that's why I rather like live-action uh, FMV-based games. Yeah, it's just that, you know, like, it is... Like and this is not to say anything bad about the game. Like I said, of everything I played today, I really want to play more of this. I'm very interested in the story, but it is at its heart. It's just like it is the it's the progression of the FMV game. It's this idea of you're more watching than playing. And I mean, I remember a lot of people giving Heavy Rain stick for being a film that you interact with. And that's kind of what it is, like, in my eyes. And like I said, the gameplay mechanics aren't that great. Like, uh, if you play the demo, uh, you'll see, but essentially, like, Ellen Page's character, who I believe is named Rosie. No, Josie. Josie. I think it's Josie. Ellen Page. uh, She has a kind of like an entity attached to her called Aiden. And you control him to manipulate the world around you. I wondered if he was maybe a dead brother. That's what I think. She's like, oh, is an entity attached to me, but I reckon there's going to be some twin side plot thing, and that's her dead brother or something. That's just me guessing. I don't know. Sounded pretty good, though. No, it seems, you know, seemed feasible feasible with the rest (laughs) of it. I mean, it seemed as feasible as, you know, a ghost of something attaching itself to this young girl. But uh, you manipulate the world using him. And it seems as that's, like, the, the key gameplay mechanic. And you can do really cool things with it. Like, you pull back the analog sticks and you, like, throw things and whatever. Oh, yeah. There was a great <laughs> bit where you go into interrogation Kind of like a two-way mirror room, like interrogation. Yeah, they do. They're doing like a, a test on Ellen uh, Page's psychic abilities. Yeah. So there's a woman in the other room who's turning over a card, and she's got to be able to tell them what was on the card through her psychic powers without seeing the card. Yeah. Um, um, and you do that by taking control of this uh, Aiden spirit character and traveling in a first-person perspective into the other rooms swinging around so you can see the cards and then so you know then and you pick the right card but it was really fun when we mentioned about um, freedom in the game yeah. you could Matt decided to go off into the control room where uh, uh, William Defoe's character and several scientists were watching uh, Josie yeah I think her name is I think Josie <laughs> and you can as well as possessing objects you can possess people you can and yeah. for a, a brief moment matt was able to control one of these uh, scientists. scientists yeah uh, that hmm. was fun yeah it... and i i wouldn't have thought <coughs> that they'd have thought that maybe you do that or given you the ability to do that i i think they were aware like i think they knew that people were just gonna try and fuck around I, I like that they thought that yeah yeah that's good i mean it, it bodes well for the rest of the game yeah definitely the inquisitive mind will find things i think in this game which will uh, be quite interesting to be honest like i i think it'll get to the point where you know you can solve puzzles very easily by thinking like okay well if i take control of this character i can do this this and this mm. i hope it's as free as 
The idea of it being as free as what your mind can imagine. That would be nice. But as this nearly was. Yeah, yeah. And which I haven't experienced in a game before. Yeah. This is true. Uh, to be honest, I hope it has kind of like a hitman sensibility to mm. it. I hope that you're able to think to yourself like, well, if I do it this, this and this way, then I can get through this scene without, you know, possibly harming my character or alerting mm. anyone to my presence or whatever. But alas, like I said, it it's up in the air. It is what definitely going to be when it's released. But I, I am going to uh, break my buying hiatus. I think, maybe, anyways, because I really do want to play more of it. But at the same time, I'm very aware that it's coming out the the same day as Pokemon X and Y, and so I'm thinking, will I play it? Because I have so many other games, and then taking mm. on the responsibility of a Pokemon yeah, game well, on top of it. I said today after watching you play it that I was going to play Heavy Rain. Yeah. I didn't. You didn't. I stuck to my old favourites. And did. I find this a, a lot with video games. Uh, I, I rarely take a chance on... I mean, I, d- I do... Something like Rain, I purchase, take a chance on that because I like yeah. it. I mean, uh, Killer is Dead. I purchase these games. I'm really trying not to sing I'm, ABBA right now. Carry on. <laughs> I'm 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 less inclined to to play them. It depends, I guess, on on your mood. I didn't really feel like that today. Yeah. Uh, I ended up playing uh, a few of my <laughs> <laughs> favorites. Really, Tom? Yeah. I say favorites. Can I talk about Sonic Adventure Two again? You can. <laughs> Go for it. Bring it up. Okay, this game frustrates the hell out of me at times. It's because you're getting later on in the game and every bad thing about that game is it's exposed it's in the really last couple exposed. of levels. I mean, for, for the most part, I look over these niggles and there are some infuriating moments where the game just feels glitchy. And it definitely it, it, does. And unfair. And you can fall off things when you especially with the, obviously with the sonic levels and the shadow levels but not only they even the robotic levels you can through no fault of your own fall off the level i'm just going to point out there's a reason that the only level in that entire game that makes its way into sonic generations is the first level yeah it's the only good level in the, the game. first level is very well done you don't find the, the, the problem so much in that one nope it's kind of like the first level of sonic adventure one as well which is very Again, very well done. Yeah. Um, but it reminded me today, playing these last couple of sections of Sonic Adventure 2, how it's not really that great of a game. I the last level. The last level with Shadow, I'm not, well, this is before the very last episode, yeah. where after last level on the dark side where you, you do Shadow. It's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. I saw, I, I was nodding off at that point. That was before I needed to go take yeah. a nap. But like, it's just looking at it and just being like, "Oh God, I remember playing this." It shouldn't be that frustrating, and and uh, well, when it when it, when you feel it's the game's fault and not your own. Oh. Do I tell you? I actually, um, when I purchased my PS2, I was going to get a GameCube. Like I I I waited beyond Christmas because I wanted a GameCube, and it came out in May. Mm. And so I said to my folks, "Like, look, I want a GameCube. Can I get one when it comes out?" And they said, "Yeah, yeah. sure." And May came, my friend Blaine got one, and I was only going to get, I was going to borrow Luigi's Mansion off him, but I played and completed that over his house with him, and it didn't take me very long, and Sonic Adventures 2 came out, and he was like, hey, do you want to play Sonic Adventures 2? And I was like, yeah, go on then, I'll give it a go, and that was the level I played. That level, the Shadow the Hedgehog level you're referring to now, put me off buying a GameCube. I bought a PS2 instead. Let's point out, for the most part, it's good, and I can look over the niggles. Yeah, if you were to show me the first bloody level, I would have still bought one, <laughs> but there we go. It's a game I love and hate in equal measures. It's a very weird thing. Yeah. I still, I replayed it again, you know, after this all this time. I played it originally on the uh, the Dreamcast, and I have to say, overall, I have enjoyed the experience, but this last bit just left a sour taste in my mouth and made me realise that there was a bad time in, in Sonic games where they hadn't got it really? quite right. Really? Yeah, because... There's a bad time in Sonic 3D games. 
Yeah. Holy shit, Tom Parry. I think you've just opened... Adventure 2 has got a lot going for it. It, I think it does. It's got a lot of replay value. There's a lot to do in it and to replay again. It's un- fairly difficult in in places to get all the emblems. Yeah. Some of the, what you're asked to do is really hard, uh, but it does offer a lot of replay value. It's a big game. You know, got the hero and dark sides. It's just like it wasn't tested well enough for something yeah. to happen. It, they haven't got it quite right. If you look at what Sonic Team have been doing now. They've got it. You know, Sonic Colors was a shiny example of how to do it right. Yeah. The, the Before that, the Advance and the Rush games are pretty good. Yeah, forget, but then... Forget Rush Adventure. That wasn't so good. But I'm just going to say, for every single one of those, you have Sonic the Hedgehog, the Xbox 360 yeah, which game, is which the, is terrible. The most abysmal piece of crap. And then, like, Sonic and the Were Hedgehog is That's not okay, bad. I was going to say. Yeah. It gets better. And then Sonic Unleashed is pretty good. Yeah. And from what I understand, you very much enjoyed Sonic Generations, right? Sonic Generations, fantastic. Apart from the last boss, which is a... Yeah, I watched you fight that. That was fun. That was frustrating. Why? Sometimes I don't know what they're playing at. I don't know what they're thinking of, these yeah. developers who make these Sonic games. Because Sonic Generations is a great game until that final boss. Yeah. When it's just like, oh, you've got it all wrong. Yeah, yeah. And it's like um, the last uh, boss fight in Sonic 2 before the final episode, you know, that after Shadow's last mission, you have to fight Sonic. Yeah. And that's crap. Yeah. They haven't even thought out what you're actually trying to do. You're trying to hit Sonic, but it's all very difficult, and you can just do it by mashing a button. Yeah. In the same way Son- Sonic Generations ends up mashing a button to defeat the end boss, so yeah. does this. There's no strategy in there. It tries to say there's a strategy, but there isn't. Yeah. Ooh. They get I know, Ian. I know. But on the, on the whole, I mean, Sonic Lost World looks great. And uh, I don't think Sonic games have been as terrible as people say they have been. Yeah. I think there was a bit of a, a stumbling ground. Yeah, and some people I'd can't agree. forgive that. I forgive it. I'd agree. I don't... It's frustrating as I yeah. find some of it. I, I forgive it. And uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the new one. Yeah, on that's good. Speaking of new things that you find frustrating, I also played Phoenix Wright uh, Dual Destinies this week. Oh. Uh, there's been a... Game Boy, a Game Boy, a 3DS demo even released, uh, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm not going to talk too much about it because I kind of talked a little bit too much about what I've played anyway and we're getting on. Uh, Very, very good. If you like Phoenix Wright, get it. The 3D doesn't put you off. If anything, it adds to the experience. Go download it now. I'll talk about it next week. It looked really nice. The animation I liked uh, particularly. It was. Very comedic. It's very good. Also little anime sequences in there now. It's kind of nice. Mm. Yeah. Very good indeed. I've played something else this week. Oh, Dead or Alive, but I always yeah. play Dead or Alive every Dead week, Alive. so we don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I did also play uh, Dragon's Lair using Connect. How was that? Great. Really? It works. It works. It's fantastic. I... I'll briefly run over what I've purchased this week, very very quickly. Rain, we've already covered it. Yeah. The second will be uh, Dragon's Lair. The third, which we'll talk about after Dragon's Lair, is uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 on the Vita. Yeah. Okay. So, Dragon's Lair. 399 or something, 350 Yeah, it's on sale at the moment, right. Uh, on sale at the moment. Uh, I, I'm a fan of FMV-based games, as we already have established. How would you compare Dragon's Lair to Beyond Two Souls? <laughs> A little bit more linear. Really? Uh, <laughs> but I'm missing the connect uh, capability. Because, <laughs> in fact, it works really well. I did have to move the, the coffee table forward a little bit. Because okay. you, you, you are asked to jump forwards and backwards okay. at times. But what they've done is taken the core movements that Dirk the Daring makes in the game and transposed them to connect rather well. For example, to use a sword, you kind of... Do a chopping action oh, with your that's arm. Cool. Yeah. Makes sense, doesn't it? To grab a rope, you just lift your arm up. That's pretty cool. To grab a rope on your right, lift your right arm up. To grab left, a rope on your yeah, left. yeah. Um, most part of the game, you'll be uh, stepping from side to side. You know, you move in different directions. You step that way, you step that way, jump forward, jump back. Yeah. And it gives you an, a nice little window of time to do it in. You know, basically, you're meant to do the action when the illustration appears on screen for the action. It glows green. And have yeah. a second or so to do it. Very good. Works very well. I think this is a great Kinect game. As someone who has played every iteration of Dragon's Lair, how does it compare to, example, say, the PS3 version with the move? 
Well, I don't think the PS3 version uses a move. Doesn't it? I thought it did. <laughs> if I remember. Uh, no, I don't think it's compatible. You, you just use a controller. Was it just the controller? I always thought, yeah. I thought you used the move for some reason. Maybe. Maybe I just haven't tried it, but uh, I'm unaware of, of that. Uh, and of course, there's full control support in the game. So if you want to play Dragon's Lair the traditional way, then you can. I think this is probably a definitive version of Dragon's Lair. Do you reckon? Because this is... you've got the HD remastered uh, picture, yeah, which looks great, uh, which probably looks a heck of a lot better than my CDI version of it does. Really? Do you think <laughs> the Xbox 360 is better graphically than the CDI? I'm sure the uh, DVD version and the Laserdisc version both look pretty sharp as well. Yeah. But the um, this HD picture, really nice. You can really appreciate how good the animation is in Dragon's Lair. Um, Connect support. Yeah, I, I, I think this is well worth picking up if you're a fan of the series. Connect okay. adds just enough. And I wanted to play it more. Yeah. Know? So uh, very happy with that. I think it made me um, quite excited about the prospect of uh, the Xbox One Connect, actually. Really? And, and, the, and what we could do with it. I'm getting quite into the idea of Connect now. I've not used it enough. Uh, have you got any more Connect games, Matt? I have Fruit Ninja. Is that it? Have you so. got Connect Sports? Probably. It's probably still in the UK. Connect Adventures? Probably didn't bring it with me. Oh. Why would I? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel bad for me that people live below us with the jumping around. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Maybe. Thing with Connect. But uh, I like Connect. Yeah. I'll just go out and say that. And I've got other game I bought this week. Uh, 100 kroner, thought it was a bit of a bargain. Was Danish deal of the week, or maybe not, because what we're going to talk about in a second. Okay, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. It's great on the Vita. If you like the game, get the Vita version, if you've got a Vita, because it's same game, just portable. Great. I actually plays very well. In fact, I thought I was playing better on a Vita than I would on TV, just because everything was close to my face and I could tell what was going on better. You could get in there. You could really like just pretty much put it to your eyes and go, "Okay, I'm Hawkeye." I, I can, I, <laughs> and it's got lovely visuals, which um, I think pretty much on par with the, uh, the console version. Yeah, uh, you, it's what you it. expect from a scaled down version. It looks fine on the screen. Uh, lovely. Yeah. Good times. However, we did find out something that we didn't know about PlayStation Vita games when you put it in your console. Oh, yeah, we did. Um, I got an error message pop-up saying that I could not get trophies for it. Yeah, um, apparently, because it was a used game, the PlayStation Vita recognised that and said, oh, you can only get trophies if you're the first person to play this. Yeah. Which is a bit of a shame, And really. it said... Uh, Delete any data you've got on your system for it. And I didn't have any data yeah. for that PSP, PS Vita version. And then Tom thought, oh, maybe it's referring to my PlayStation 3 data. So I put it in my Vita and alas, I got the same thing. So there must be some kind of save onto the cartridge. Onto the cartridge. And maybe this is common knowledge. I, I just hadn't heard of it. Neither did I. And... Yeah. I didn't know it saved anything onto the game cartridge. Neither did I. I thought it was just, you know, a, an empty vessel. It's kind of like the Resident Evil Mercenaries thing. Yeah. Where you couldn't delete your save game. Oh, Capcom, when will you learn? Yeah, it's Capcom the... again, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Great games, though. Yeah. Mighty Number no. Nine's funded as well. Yay! We know that. Yay! We said but... it the other week for I know, consoles. I know, but it hit all of its goals. It's going to oh. be on pretty much every console under the sun now. It's going to be a 3DS version. It's going to be a Vita version. It's going to be Xbox One, PS4. Everything. Wow. Yay. Kickstarter it's, saved Mega Man. It did. Yeah. Good times. Or hope yeah. well, we hope anyways. Hopefully it'll be a, a very good game. Like Mega Man. Like Mega Man. <laughs> from the same people <laughs> in the same art it's style. Like Mega Man. Yeah, it, it's Mega Man and <laughs> let's be honest. But yeah, it's a re it made all of its uh, rush goals. So it's gonna have online and stuff as well for those who really want it. I just want a Mega Man game. So I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. Also, I saw a very interesting article that there's a lot of very cool things coming out on the Wii U on the indie store. Um, oh, yeah, I read that article as well. Shovel Knight looks Shovel amazing. Shovel Knight looks great. There was another 8-bit-esque thing. The new one from, I think, Renegade? Yeah. Kid or? Yeah, so. Renegade Kid. Uh, uh, Pia Sola as well, which got my attention. Yeah. Old school Japanese role-playing game, who would have thought that would have been the one I would have picked out of that? I, I prefer the 16-bit visuals to the 
Yeah, so did I, actually. Well. I was just like, I'm not going to play the new visuals. Uh, there was another beautiful looking uh, retro game that I can't remember. 8-bit thing that I couldn't... Yeah, can't yeah. remember. But there's some really nice stuff coming out for it. Yeah, there's also that game, uh, the paper-based one, that uh, is meant to look like a traditional Japanese storybook with the samurais. Oh, sure, yeah. The, the future's bright for it the is. Wii U. Well, if they can actually get real retail titles, I'd argue. I I think it's... Uh, w- w- this Wind Waker bundle deal hopefully will convince a few people to pick up the console. I really want to get Wind Waker. I really want that Ganon statue, but... Oh, the, Ga- the Gandalf statue was really nice. I Gandalf? Ganondorf. Ganondorf, just checking. I was a um, little bit dubious at first. I expected it to be a small thing. No, I, I really need to get the version. I I wasn't going to buy Wind Waker just yet. Obviously, I've I've played the GameCube version to death. I've com- it's my favourite Zelda game. I've completed it many a time. And as such, I was just kind of like, well, yeah, it looks nice. I won't get it. And then um, uh, Martin Wolf, one of our Twitter followers posted his picture of his console up and I was like, oh, that looks really nice. And it does look really nice in the flesh, the Zelda Wii U. Mm. And he goes, oh, he said, uh, he goes, I bought it for the console, he said, uh, but I, I'm going to sell my digital copy because I've got the Ganondorf version. And I was like, mm. okay. And then he, I Googled it and then I saw the statue and I thought it looked amazing. And I really want it now. Unfortunately, because... The Wii U isn't the Xbox 360 or the PS3 at the moment. I can still buy the limited edition version after day one. Yeah. So I may get it, or I may just have a look on eBay, see if I can buy the statue separate. But I guess Ooh. anyone that's bought that game is just going to buy a statue. So. Never uh, know. That Nintendo Direct this last week was really good, though. I'm very excited about Super Mario 3D World now, more so than I was before. So am I, actually. It looks fucking... It looks Whoa. like a breath of fresh air. It looks like a very nice that game. That was a great trailer. They yeah. really sold it with that trailer. Yeah, definitely. They showed a lot of stuff they hadn't showed yet that made it stand out as not being just another Mario game. Exactly. I still don't like that cat costume. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think there's one bit where Mario was like pr- um, trotting around uh, catching rabbits. Yeah. In the cat <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is a bit peculiar. Um, Bowser in a big car kind of stood out. As yeah. Well. That bit underwater as well with the piranha plant. Yes, it looks like it's got some really clever platforming uh, in this new Mario. Which is nice. And yeah, uh, overall, the announcements were were great. I mean, Sonic's going to be in Smash Brothers. I mean, I I thought he would be anyway. I didn't really see that as news. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But uh, there was was plenty mentioned in in that trailer. I mean, they talked about, uh, as you say, Phoenix Wright and uh, Bravely Default as well. Yeah, I can't wait for Bravely Default, though the voice acting in that is very meh. Yeah. Again, English voice acting. Oh, uh, new Kirby for 3DS. New Kirby looked great. Which looks yeah. like it's actually using the 3D, which I know we were both a little bit concerned about the future of the 3DS after, of course, the release of I the I wasn't 2DS. really that concerned. But no, Kirby does look good in 3D. And they really thought about it. So, so it just proves that developers are still thinking about utilising the 3D abilities. Nintendo are still thinking about utilising <laughs> the 3D abilities. Well, I'd hope other developers were as well. Anyway, Kirby, I think, is going to be great. You can always rely on a Kirby game for a good You can. And then quickly to wrap off, uh, because we know we're running running on a bit. Wrap off. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Steam have finally announced the inverted commas Steam box that's long been rumoured. This is a living room PC that you can essentially swap bits in and out of so it doesn't require any knowledge of a PC to use really oh. it's just a kind of you know you open the back up and then you can pull out and then go oh i'm gonna upgrade my ram and you can go to the shop buy ram and then it fits in oh, that's and nice. pull it in and out yeah which is great for someone like myself who doesn't know how to build a pc and this is why uh the new steam controller came in with with the no sticks the no sticks instead uh which from uh first reviews apparently seems okay uh, the only problem I was reading, I think it was a guy from IGN. I could be wrong about this, uh, but he said it was a good controller. He said he wasn't like he wasn't blown away because he, he said we've kind of reached that stage where controllers now for living room experiences 
to play things like fighting games and to play things, you know, that you will use a controller for in your living room, such as Call of Duty. So we're there pretty much, you know. We've got to that stage where the Xbox 360 controller is a standard now for PC gamers who want to use a controller for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he said that with this, with the, the sense of touch and stuff you can get from it, it's supposed to be more for games like uh, real-time strategies that would usually require a mouse. And this is how they're trying to get, you know, that Oh, or like first-person shooters who you prefer to have the mouse and keyboard set on that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, but you want to have the keyboard. Yeah, it's... uh, Yeah, but like things like uh, Dota and stuff, uh, they're trying to get it so you can play these games more easily from a couch because the whole idea of these steam boxes and it's called the piston yeah and essentially from what i can tell uh the the whole idea behind it is the steam ios is that this platform they are creating because they're unhappy with windows uh will almost be like android from what i understand oh. it'll be free to open developers so there will be a lot of these steam boxes perhaps Steam. But the piston is the first real one. I know, um, like Nvidia and stuff, have tried to go. Hey, this is a living room PC, but without the the nice. Hey, it's a modular thing that you can slot in yeah. cartridges. It's and great stuff. they're actually considering the PC gamer and their preferences to control as well. Yeah, you know, and then obviously, like I, I think they've said, you know, like a wireless mouse and keyboard is still a, a thing, but it's just this idea of taking the PC away from a bedroom or a desk and then integrating it into your home setup, much like... Obviously, it's going to be the same market now as the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One and the Wii U. It's going to be entering the living room terrain rather than the hardcore gamer sitting alone in his in his room kind of thing, which is kind of cool. Um, and that interests me purely because I've, I've always had... I've, I like PC gaming, like I've never been against it. And obviously, as you can see, a lot of the time, the graphics on a PC game are usually a lot better than home console. But I never liked the upgrading thing as a as a kid. You know, when I used to play PC games, I would get a new PC every three or four years. Mm. And I never had any money to upgrade the PC I had. So it meant I could play games for a year or two after my PC came out, and then I started to drop behind and I had to use low specs, mm. and I start lagging online and yeah. PCs have never really been considered very user friendly. Do you reckon? I, I guess. I, well, I think... as opposed to what the Apple try and do is to make something that's accessible to everyone. Where PCs, for me anyway, they're still like kind of they're not as accessible, are they? Yeah. And, and to any efforts to make them more accessible to the mainstream, I think, are going to be really appreciated. And it's it's taking a leaf out of Apple's book as well. Well, it? I think they did, man. I think they tried that with Windows 8, and I think it fell on its arse because of that. Like, yeah, but to, what they need to do is move it away from, the, as you say, the desk. Yeah. If, it's, if you're talking about gaming. Perhaps. But yeah. like Steam, you know? Steam is an amazing client. Steam's got pretty much every game under the sun. And to be honest, I don't find that much issue like i played wow when i played several mmos for a couple of years like i've never had any issue with the mouse and keyboard oh yeah and there are you know there are some fantastic games for the pc that i have never had a chance to play such as amnesia and to the moon and there's oh yeah there's such a wealth of very good games on the pc that are only on pc and kind of annoys me that i haven't got anything I can play them on naturally being a designer my preference was to Mac at university and now I just can't be asked to buy a PC because all I will do on it is game and then this uh, Steam box is perhaps the perfect option perhaps seems quite expensive at the moment but we'll see I believe it's about a grand and for that price no yeah just to play games yeah okay so I'll buy a PC well this is the thing then you get everything else with it get a nice PC for 700 quid or so that'll run for the next three or four years cheaper and you can write a novel on it you could yeah (laughs) on that note right uh, yeah thank you for listening Um, as always we will be looking to improve this. Tom won't be here next week, but I, I won't will find... be. What are you ever going to do? <laughs> don't know. Talk to myself, I guess. For no, a week. you've done uh, some great stuff while I've been away, actually. Oh, I'll try and track down an interview. I'm going to put it up on Twitter after this. Uh, we have a few 
lovely people in Copenhagen, I'm sure they're more than obliged, but I have got one or two ideas for mm. guests closer to home, which should be cool. Um, also, within the next week, we may also launch a bit of a YouTube channel. We'll see. We may have to, we may wait until Tom comes we back. We have teased we'll, about this. So there will, yeah, but uh, we've set plans into motion properly now, so... Yeah. Oh, yes. The revolution will be televised or YouTubed, as it were. Oh, you can finally see footage of extreme quads. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. And we'll, rec- we'll record audio. We and Tom will talk about extreme quads while we're playing it. It's extreme. It'll make you want to kill yourself. <laughs> right, and, uh, yeah. Oh, well, you, that's if you, <laughs> you incentive to listen again. Yeah, or, it's almost like the, it's almost like the ring. <laughs> you know, it's it's such a bad thing once you play it within two days, it'll it'll kill your love of gaming. Yeah, it's really really a terrible game, but uh, yeah, you need to see it. Um, get to us on the usual channels at TMA Cast on Twitter. We may actually be on Stitcher by the time. What's Stitcher? It's an American app for podcasting by next week. Oh. Because I've submitted to it. But, yeah. Because a few people have said they listen to it, listen to stuff through Stitcher, and we're not available on Stitcher. You mentioned it before, I remember now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, at Team Cast on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Tom mm-hmm. Amount Attack. And, yeah, rate and subscribe in iTunes. Always very, very much appreciated. Of course, uh, subscribe wherever you're using. I know a lot of people, because I've been feeling around upset that they're using different podcasting apps and whatever just please just subscribe in anything uh as long as we know people are listening we'll keep doing this uh big shout outs as well of course to our friends at uh super rad i think you should go listen to them if you don't already i feel guilty i didn't give them a follow friday because i was out doing stand-up comedy and so i thought i'd give them a shout out you also at retro asylum also a very good podcast and feature retro gamer it's also very nice yeah, until next week. Um, I will be here. Thomas will not be, but I'm sure he'll have many exciting stories to tell us from the UK. I'll play Rain. Yay! Okay, uh, yeah, until next week then. Game on. Game on. <laughs>